Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning beautiful saunterers, welcome to another sunny saunter. It's going to be sunny in a minute, (laughs) it's just getting up to it, working up to it. So here we go, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that you are all around us and you wanna speak to us today. So we open our hearts to you and we say, come Lord Jesus, speak to us through your word. Let the Jesus we see in these pages come to life in our day today, in our actual moments today, this day we're living in today. Today, as in the present, but right now, this day (laughs) in history. Amen. So good. Righty-ho, let's get going. So Luke chapter 5 today, and we have Jesus calling his disciples. So it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats, by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets getting into one of the boats which was Simon's he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat and when he had finished speaking he said to Simon put down your nets I'm sorry put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done... Hold on. (laughs) When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is an incredible story, isn't it? This is these guys' everyday job. They've been doing since they were children. They gradually become more and more proficient at what they do. And they'd work with their fathers and um, relatives. 
that was the business around the neighborhood everyone was fishermen and they lived on what they caught from the sea and so they became very good at getting these fish out of the sea into their boats and this particular day they'd been out all night and hadn't caught anything and that, that's one of the reasons why I could never be a fisherman because it's so boring <laughs> waiting for fish to come along and take the bait good morning Fran and it's it's just a anyway so this particular day is unusual these guys are washing their nets they finished they've been out all night caught nothing they're cleaning up trying to keep everything nice and tidy so that the nets cast properly and they're not full of seaweed or whatever else it is and so the mate and getting rid of all the bits and pieces they don't want the old boots and things like this tin cans and uh, Jesus comes down and he's got this big big crowd pressing in on him literally pushing him towards the sea and so he says to the guys look can I borrow your boat they push out into the water a bit and he uses it as a pulpit and he preaches from there and we know anyone who's spent any time in the sea knows that when the sea's calm there's this incredible acoustic effect of the water coming off the of the flat water and the voice kind of skims across the water like a pebble and so Jesus used that and was there preaching and then as a way of kind of saying thank you I guess Jesus says come on fellas let's get out and catch some fish and they're like man <laughs> you know nothing you're a carpenter how are you gonna help us we've literally been all night but this is the thing with Peter he sees something in Jesus he's been listening to the preaching and his response is master this is a word that Luke uses only Luke uses it in the Greek New Testament and it really means you're the boss so it's like he's saying yes boss because you say it, I'll do it. And I love that. But at your word, I will let down the nets. My brain is telling me this is a waste of time. But master, at your word, I will let down the nets. And do you know what? That needs to be our response to God, doesn't it? This makes no sense to my little human noggin. But because you say so, Master, I'm going to do it. It's the same really as Mary, it's just a different form of words. Mary says, let it be unto me, as you have said. She's asked the question, how is this going to happen? And then she says, let it be unto me, as you have said. And come on, we're going to find ourselves in so many situations that we do not understand. If we only proceed when we fully understand what we're doing, we will miss out on so many beautiful opportunities to experience a miracle and to see God come through in the most amazing way and so when when this miracle has happened it's interesting that Simon had seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law in the previous chapter we talked about yesterday didn't we Peter had seen that but it's the miraculous catch of fish that somehow gets him in the heart and that's when he bows down and he's <laughs> It says he fell at Jesus's knees and I guess if Jesus is standing up in the boat that's full of fish it probably came up to his knees and Peter's just like falls down at his knees and says depart from me I'm a sinful man that's the thing that triggers the heart response in Peter that really um, makes him that's his kind of entry point into becoming a disciple and you know we should still it's lovely when we recognise that we're sinful and that we're able to fall on our knees before God, 
before Jesus, but rather than say, depart from me, we want to say, Jesus, stay with me. Let me cling to your knees. Let me hang on to you. Let me come everywhere with you. And that's, of course, what Peter is effectively going to do. But then Jesus's call to these guys is so profound, isn't it? He says, um, James and John, the son of Zebedees, were also partner, partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Jesus said, you'll be a fisher of men. And I remember that as a child at Sunday school, hearing those words and thinking, wow, what does that actually mean to, to catch people for Jesus? And I guess all my life I've been trying to do that and aspiring to be a fisher of men. And I wish <laughs> I still am anticipating and waiting for that day when we see that miraculous catch of fish coming in that is just too many to number. And I think there's a lot of other people who would consider themselves to be fishers of men who are still are also living in anticipation of that great day. And we've seen the ones and twos and we've seen the threes and fours and there were five lads at the prison on Tuesday who prayed the prayer to receive Jesus. I think one was already a believer, but it's really exciting to see a little cluster come to the Lord at once. Um, but we're still longing to see the time when the boats are so full that they start to sink because we've just got so many people coming to Jesus at once. And of course that has happened and is happening in different countries around the world. It's just a little bit slow over here in Britain at the moment. And so Jesus, we ask you to bring the miraculous catch of fish to us sometime soon. In fact, anytime soon. Verse 12, it says, when he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. That's a very kind of dis good description, isn't it? I've seen people who, who have been literally eaten apart by leprosy with no fingers left, just a kind of stump that was once a hand and noses that have just eroded away and so on. And Jesus, this so this guy comes to Jesus like that. And he, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Love it. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even, <clears throat> so he says, go and tell no one, but go and show the priest, because that's what's required of you. Um, he, that's like your official COVID vaccination certificate to say, you know, it's like you're clear. You, you, you now get to be reintegrated into society. And he says, but verse 15, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places to pray. <clears throat> this is amazing. Remember, this is Luke, the physician, the doctor who's writing this report. He's writing a detailed, systematic account of the things Jesus did. And you can imagine him in this moment where this guy whose body has been literally gnawed away by this horrible disease that was considered so contagious that the lepers were outcasts. Nobody wanted to go near them or breathe the same air as them, let alone touch them. 
and Jesus, of course, could have spoken to the guy and said, be healed, leprosy, leave now at my command. But he doesn't do that. And Luke must have been fascinated watching the master just put his hand on this guy and say, I, I will be clean. He's, in, he's not just passing on a healing, he's directly, physically connecting with this guy on a deep deep level and he's saying listen you're not an outcast come here and he touches him boom and his whole body is healed and restored and made clean it says and immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no I always think that's so funny when Jesus says don't tell anyone it's like you've got a nose you didn't have wait you look different you've got a nose you didn't have a nose before how did that happen well I can't tell you <laughs> Oh, you've got fingers. You didn't have fingers before. Where did they go? I'd love to tell you, but I can't. I've been told by this guy who healed me, no prizes for guessing who, that I mustn't tell you. <laughs> I've now got fingers I didn't have before. <laughs> it's kind of comical, I think, in a way, but I think what Jesus is doing, he's, he's trying to keep the lid on things a little bit because there is a timing in it all and he doesn't want the timing to be preempted by mass hysteria he gets something fairly close to that though because great crowds gather to hear him and be healed of their infirmities and i love what he says in verse 16 he says but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray so the more busy it got the more determined jesus was going to be to get alone with god the father and pray and just get filled up he was staying oily. He was staying full of the Holy Spirit. He knew that if he was going to be able to give these people anything at all when they gathered around him, he needed to be full of the Holy Spirit's power. He needed to be fully engaged with the Spirit of God because that was where his power was flowing from. Remember, he said in chapter four, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Well, right now, what's happening with this leprosy guy is good news coming to the poor. This leprosy guy would have no money. All he would have would be like a few coins that people threw in his general direction when they saw him and crossed over onto the other side of the road to avoid him. And so this is good news to the poor. This is a guy being reintegrated back into society who was considered to be an outcast. Good morning, Ruth. Great to see you. Hope things are going well with the move. Verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, we've touched on this, haven't we, um, about why God heals some people and not others. And that has to be the big, big question for those of us who believe in supernatural healing, who believe in God's power to heal being given to us by the Holy Spirit. And Luke is clearly trying to get his, his own head around it. And he could tell on this particular day it was going to be a good day because the power of God was with him to heal. Now we had in the chapter before yesterday, we had about Jesus um, literally working through the night, touching everybody, everyone he put his hands on was healed and set free from demonic infestation and everything else. And so this is a similar kind of day, it would seem. 
verse 18, and behold, <coughs> excuse me, the power of the Lord was with him to heal, and behold, some men were bringing um, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can do that? God alone. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralysed, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. Isn't that amazing? Good morning, Rosemary. And amazement sees them all and... They glorified God and were filled with awe. We have seen extra, saying we have seen extraordinary things today. Wow, they certainly had. So these guys have heard and the word has got out that the power of God is with Jesus to heal. And Jesus is in this house and he's preaching and he's got his crowd there and he's kind of discharging this important, these important words and bits of plaster start falling down from the ceiling onto the heads of the people. They're like, oh, what's going on out there? What's the part? And they're looking at the owner of the house like, do you need, have you got builders in or something? And, and these bits of plaster start falling down like kind of more and more and suddenly there's a hole in the ceiling and they can see these faces <laughs> of these guys looking through and they make this big hole in the roof can you imagine the bill and the homeowner is like oh my <laughs> why didn't you use the door and the guys are like well we couldn't get in and they lower this paralytic guy paralyzed man down through on his bed that's incredible isn't it on some kind of stretcher they lower him down everybody's watching to see what Jesus is going to do now this is this is kind of prime time reality TV. This is the best show in town, isn't it? Goodness me. And and Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And it's like, hold on a minute. Nobody's even mentioned sin. What are you, what are you talking about? But Jesus always does that. He always cuts to the chase. He always knows what the issue is. And he looks at this guy and he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. He's also saying this for the benefit of the people in the room. And the Pharisees and scribes are really indignant because they say God is the only one who can forgive sins. What is this man doing? Well, of course, they've answered their own question because Jesus is God. That's why he can say your sins are forgiven you. So Jesus is actually making a statement in his statement. He's saying, yeah, I'm God and I forgive you your sins, man. And then so they're all upset. And they say, Jesus says, all right, then what's easier to say to the guy, rise, take up your bed and walk. And of course, they couldn't do that either. So everything Jesus is doing is only something God can do. <laughs> and so, the, so literally, they're kind of caught on both sides of their argument and Jesus gets them. And it's so cool. And so he says, rise up, pick up your bed 
and go home immediately. Immediately. It wasn't like next day or down the road or we heard that he got better eventually. But it's, wow, right there in that moment. And you can imagine Luke scribbling on his little notepad or committing all of this must have been burned into his memory mustn't it these kind of events you would never forget it and amazement sees them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying we have seen extraordinary things today after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and leaving everything he rose and followed him now a tax collector was an unpopular job amongst the people who were having to pay taxes but amongst certain sections of the community there was great aspiration to become a tax collector and so to actually abandon your post and give up your job as a tax collector was saying goodbye to a very very lucrative income and yeah and also the tax collectors like the lepers were considered to be outcast by main society people didn't want to hang out with them but um, Jesus, however, has designs. So he wants Levi to be one of his disciples. And Levi's other name was Matthew. So we know him perhaps more as Matthew. And Levi made him this great feast in his, in his house. And there were a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Once again, Luke is like a magpie and he picks up these wonderful medical anecdotes and references of Jesus. And Jesus is sitting around with all these tax collectors. Matthew's thinking, if I'm going to follow Jesus and enjoy all that he's giving me. I want all my friends and my compadres to get in on the action as well. And so he's hoping that Jesus will be able to convert a few more tax collectors by hanging out with them. But the scribes and Pharisees once again are there to rain on the parade and spoil the party because they just want Jesus to conform to their ideas. But Jesus constantly jumps over the fences and welcomes people who are on the outside of respectable society. But Luke picks up this one, it's the sick who need the doctor. It's not well people. Well people don't go to hospital unless they're going there to visit or to work, do they? It's because we're sick that we go to hospital. We understand that. And Jesus is saying, these are precisely the people I am on the earth so shut up you lot verse 33 and they said to him the disciples of John often fast <coughs> excuse me and offer prayers and so do the disciples of the Pharisees but yours eat and drink and Jesus said to them can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in those days he also told them a parable, no one tears a piece from an, a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the old will not match, sorry, piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, 
If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. Right, so the, <laughs> these guys, they're all looking at Jesus and his disciples and they're saying, look, you're eating and drinking. Good morning, Linda. You're eating and drinking. You're having a party. What is it with you guys? Whenever we see you, you're stuffing your faces with food. You're eating and drinking and so on. And um, he says, how come you do this? Because John taught his disciples to fast. That's that they were very, we could get on with John's disciples because they were kind of religious and they did these things. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 something's going on here. I'm the bridegroom, actually, of the story. If you could just get your little head round it. And when the bridegroom is with his guests, of course they're celebrating. Actually, the rabbis told the, the uh, Jewish people that it was wrong to observe a festival of fasting if it coincided with a wedding. So you were supposed to honour the wedding by feasting and enjoying yourself. And I think it's Nehemiah says to the people, doesn't he, I don't want you to fast today, even though it's a day where you should be. I want you to celebrate because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there's something about when the Lord is with us and that moment has come and his presence is, we, we just enjoy that moment and we celebrate it. And Jesus is saying, look, there's going to be plenty of time when I'm not with these guys and they will fast. And that's all well and good. And Jesus actually teaches about fasting, doesn't he? He says, when you fast, do it like this. But actually what he's saying is right now, this is a time for celebration and you're not understanding. We're not trying to patch up an old garment here. We're doing something new. This is a whole new thing. Don't spoil the new garment by cutting it up and trying to stick it on something else because that won't work. Don't try and pour the new wine into an old wineskin. We have all of these. This has become such a spoken about thing in church circles. Actually, God is doing a new thing and he wants to continue to break out of the kind of constraints of the old mindsets that we get into so quickly and just keep bringing that joy and that new wine of his spirit into the place and he's even doing that today but even those who've tasted of the new wine as we start to get used to it and we kind of mm, we think ah oh, yeah you know we can fall into another form of straitjacket just as easily as are the people who we kind of maybe hold with some criticism in our hearts about and we think oh dear they're locked up in their old wineskin and we can soon do the same but actually what Jesus is saying there's something alive and dynamic going on here that I want you to understand this is not about patching up an old religion this is about a living relationship this is about the person of Jesus who's in the room right now this is the one we're honoring this is the one we're celebrating wow here's my prayer jesus will you come and be central in your church again in the country of great britain in the country of india in every country of the world will you be so present that there is great joy and great celebration that these people who've been paralyzed from however long all these different things begin to be healed in front of us so that we have no choice 
but to celebrate and get excited. Lord, we love you so much and we're so excited about what you are doing. And we thank you for that, but we're asking for more. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an amazing day, everyone. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.